Hello and welcome to the Henrietta Christian Fellowship Podcast. The notes for the sermons featured here can be found at our website, henriettacf.org. Also, on Android or iOS mobile devices, you can find them on the Uversion app. Just click on search for live events and enter our zip code, 14543. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. time of being here, fourth time I've spoken in the church, and uh, uh, once you learn my name, you never forget it, um, uh, it's unusual, at Levere, it means uh, the truth, in, in French, Spanish, Italian, and Latin, um, but it's misspelled, it's, it's spelled L-A-V-E, and with a space, V-E-R-E, and uh, it should be L-E, because L-A is feminine. So all my junk mail says Miss Soper. <laughs> but uh, I was tormented for that with that name when I was a kid. Made fun of it, you know. What kind of a name is that? But um, I'm I'm happy to preach the truth. Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. His word is the truth, and I'm I'm pleased to be here with you as um, friend and family. Um, <coughs> This is a, I've, I'm going to use this as an illustration. I'm not just, I don't always just tell the castle story all over again, but it's going to be part of the sermon. So I wanted to put this picture of the castle up. Back in 84, I saw a vision, uh, a map of the world, and I saw a line go from America to Scotland. And uh, when I got there, I heard God say, I'm going to give you a castle. And, um, <clears throat> and then I saw a line go from there to Western and Eastern Europe and other continents of the earth. And so we obeyed the Lord and we went, we looked, and after a time of searching, we found, we saw this place, this castle one day, 500-year-old Scottish castle set in 30 acres of land, river, stream, garden, and the whole bit. And God said, this is the one. I found out who the owner was and discovered it was for rent. You could rent it. So I asked the Lord if I was supposed to rent it. He said, yes, for I've given it to you. So I rented it, and in three months, the owner gave it to me said, you can have it, everything in it, everything on it. Uh, we lived there for 20 years, and then God told us to sell it, so I can't invite you over for a time. Jim's been there. Jim used to run the TWO teams, and he brought I don't know how many teams over. And um, um, you wouldn't believe the castle now, uh, Jim. The guy that bought it, he's pumped $25 million. That's about like $55,000 million dollars into refurbishing it and new road gardens new roof new wall everything it's, it's amazing uh, when it gets it all done Jim I'm going to take a picture and say I used to own this place <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so we operated out of there for 20 years and then we're continuing to minister and we believe that God's getting ready to bring us uh, back to the states not for retirement but because I believe that God is getting ready to do a move of God in America. And uh, I want to be part of it. And I feel like he's calling us to be. Uh, today I'm going to speak on a message called true faith versus false faith. 
And uh, we, we want to have the faith of God. We want to be like Jesus in every realm of our life. We want to uh, be conformed to the image of him. Bible, Paul writes and says, be conformed to the image of Christ. If he says be conformed, it means we're not conformed just a minute we get saved. There's still some work to do. And uh, uh, God's working in us to conform us, to be like Jesus, to look like him, to love like him, to act like him, to talk like him to give like him, um, to perform like him, to evangelize like him, to heal like him, and to have faith like him. But, you know, I, I've discovered there's, there's something that's uh, uh, true faith. And, you know, when you think about all of the powerful verses in the Bible about faith, it talks about without faith or with faith, Nothing is impossible. If you don't have faith, you can't please God. And you can go through all these powerful verses about the power of faith. And yet, a lot of times, people are struggling ab about faith and, and how, how to make it work and does it work. And, uh, you know, in the Garden of Eden, immediately Satan came to Adam and Eve. And he, he took, he told them a lie. And yet he called it the truth, but it was false. You know, remember, God said to Adam, the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Satan changed one word. Say one word. One word. Satan changed one word, and he turned that truth into a lie. He said, the day this, you shall not surely die. God said, you shall surely die. Satan said, you shall not. He just changed one word. It's amazing how one word can take something that's the truth and turn it into a lie. And uh, Satan hasn't changed much. He's still operating the same way. And he, he changes things. And uh, matter of fact, early in the church, we find that he was operating. I mean, the, the disciples weren't dead yet. Paul was writing the scriptures. And he writes in this passage in 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4, he says, I fear, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And so we have early in the history of the church, Satan coming in and presenting a different Jesus, a different Holy Spirit, and a different gospel. Well, I'm not surprised that he also wanted to give them a different faith, a false faith. Matter of fact, Paul warns us not to have a false faith, but to have a true faith in the, in the scriptures. This is, this is so important to have the true faith, not a false faith. I'll go to that verse that talks about false faith in a moment. But first of all, I want to just give you an illustration. Um, there's something that's called imitation leather. Now, it can look like leather, and the really expensive stuff can even feel like leather. And they can spray it with chemicals, and it can smell like leather. But it's not leather. 
And there's something that looks like faith, sounds like faith, acts like faith, but it's not faith. It's like counterfeit money. Counterfeit money looks like the real deal, but it's not the real deal. And if somebody thinks that they're moving in true faith, when in reality they're moving in false faith, false faith isn't going to do what true faith is supposed to do. So when the Bible says that with faith all things are possible, and if you're moving in a false faith, nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you say, well, uh, this faith stuff doesn't work. And you just throw the whole faith message out the window. Or the devil will condemn you and say, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with, you know, you're, you're not good looking. You're ugly. You're not spiritual. You don't read enough of the scriptures. You don't pray enough. You do, and he starts condemning you and making you feel like that there's something wrong with you. And so a lot of confusion can come in, especially when sometimes faith seems to work and sometimes it doesn't. And, and what's going on here anyway? It's very important for us, especially as we go into the last days and we're at the doorstep, my brother and sister. Things are shaping up in the Middle East. I mean, some, some places over there, what's happening is like in a free fall. I don't know where it's going to end. But I believe that the coming of the Lord is soon. And we're going to need to have a good, strong faith, a true faith that will work, that will take us through and prepare us for what's about to come. Um, so there's true faith there's a, that works with the power of the tongue and unity in God. Now, because of time, I don't know exactly how far I'll get into everything here, but so... Um, I want to show you that there's a connection between true faith, the realistic power of the tongue, uh, which is the power of life and death, and our union in God. And how this all works together. Now, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore speak. This verse lets us know that there is a, a tie of how we release faith connected with the tongue. A lot of People, they confuse the power of faith confession. And, I mean, they're, they're con they have this thing of confessing, confessing, and confessing until they're blue in the face and nothing ever changes. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard about it, seen about it. Uh, and they think they're moving in true faith, and they're not. And so it doesn't matter how long they would confess it. Nothing's going to happen. In 1 Timothy 1.5, we have Paul addressing this issue of false faith. He says, Now the end of the commandment is charity and a, out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of, he says, faith unfeigned. This is King James language. You're going to find, if you're reading a modern translation, they'll say usually have a sincere faith or have a true faith, <coughs> which is not a bad translation because that's really the goal. But if you actually study... Uh, and go into the Greek, you find that it's two words there. Uh, and uh, one means not, and the other, the root word for it is, it means uh, pretense, hypocritical, not sincere, not true. The, root, the very root word means like a play actor on a stage. So now if somebody was uh, doing a play of Julius Caesar, and he's the actor, he's acting the part of Julius Caesar, but he's not 
Julius Caesar. He's fake. He's a good actor, but he's not Julius Caesar. And there's something that's true faith, and there's something that acts the part of faith, but it's not true faith. Does this sound interesting to you? Okay, let's, let's uh, I'll, I'll finish the sermon then. <laughs> I, I, I was planning on finishing it anyway, but uh, um, in Matthew 17, verse 19 through 20, it says the disciples came to Jesus. Uh, then, the, then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? They tried to cast out a demon. They couldn't do it. And uh, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I, for truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. You see, I've learned that man can build a mountain of his own faith in God, and it won't move a grain of sand. But if you have a grain sand of God's faith working in you, even the size of a mustard seed, it'll move the mountain. What's the basic difference between false faith and true faith? False faith is when man tries to put his faith into God. True faith is when God's faith starts operating through man. Now, I want to show you that in the scripture, how that works out. A very familiar verse that all of you will have heard many, many times. Mark eleven twenty two. And answering, Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Now then, almost every English translation translates it that way. Have faith in God. And every one of those translations is incorrect. Now, this isn't my own revelation, although it came to me, the Lord showed it to me, but it wasn't original with me. I found out that years ago, uh, this, this came to light to many people. It should be translated, have, have the faith of God, or have God's faith. Um, Scholars for century has known the correct translation should be have the faith of God or have God's faith. Matter of fact, there was a Bible that was translated back in uh, John Gill or the Geneva Bible in uh, 1599. The notes on Mark 11.22 says that it should be translated have God's faith. That was a long time ago. Um, and, uh, you know, in the Christian world, we have Calvinists and we have Arminius, and they're at separate poles from each other on a lot of topics. But on this topic, they are agreed. Um, John Gill uh, was a—he's a Calvinist that's so strong that the Calvinists call him a hyper-Calvinist. <laughs> and that's saying something. Um, and he comments in this verse that we should quote, exercise and make use of the faith which God has for its author which is the work of God and its operation, a free grace gift of His. So he's saying that, that sovereignly God gives His faith to us, to work through us. 
Well, now then, on the other side of the playing field is, are the Armenians. And there's a pretty sharp guy by the name of Adam Clark. He also lived a long time ago in the late 1700s, early 1800s. He's an Armenian, and he's a brilliant guy. He mastered several different Bible languages. Uh, he could read and write in the Greek, Hebrew, Samaritan, Chaldean, and Cendric versions of the Scripture. And then just for fun, he also spoke most of all the Western languages of, of, of Europe. Uh, pretty smart guy. I'm still working on my English. <laughs> um, and um, in his commentary, he renders Mark 11.22, the same manner as Gil, have, we sh it should read, have faith in God. Now, what's, what's the point of all this? It's saying that theologically, the Christian world looks at this and has for a long time that this is the wrong translation. And the reason for their unity is simple. The only true translation that there could be is to translate it, have faith of God or have God's faith in you. See, in the Greek, there's all sorts of cases and tenses and things like that that really clarify and help us to understand scriptures better than what the English language does. And, um, um, and, thi and in this scripture, there, this is written in the locative tense or case. And that locative means location. Uh, this scripture, uh, or it's translated in locative, but in the scripture, it's in the possessive case. So now, locative means we're in the room, location. You're in the car, you're in your clothes, you're in the house, you know, whatever. That's location. And uh, possession means that you own the house, the car, whatever. What's the difference between being in the, what's a nice car? Lamborghini. What's, what's it? I wouldn't want one, but <laughs> I, I, I'd choose a different model. But Maserati. Maserati. Okay, that's a nice, good Italian car. It costs about $150,000. I wouldn't mind driving one of those around. But uh, uh, what's the difference between being in one and owning one? It's a huge difference. If you own it, you can, you can do what you need to do in it all the time and you make it function. Um, is, is there a difference in a man trying to place his faith in location, God, and having God's and, and possessing God's faith? There is a huge difference. The difference is a faith that works, a faith that operates, a faith that causes miracles to happen, a faith that all things are possible. Um, I repeat, a man can build a mountain of his own faith in God and it won't move a grain of sand. But if you have a grain of sand of God's faith operating in you, it'll move a mountain. So we need to find out why this is so important and, and have faith working for us. See, man's faith in God can be in error. But God's faith operating in us is absolutely true and powerful and will work. 
Are we together so far? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So how, how, how does this work? Uh, so we're going to read verse 22 the way it should be translated. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have God's faith in you. And I put in parentheses. And if you do, from that premise that God's faith is working in you, then he says in verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now this is a powerful verse. And we have to remind ourselves that this isn't some faith preacher teaching this. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who is speaking these words, and therefore they are true. So, like my grandmother, not my grandmother, my wife's grandmother, Grandma Genuine on the best side, she had a, a pile of dirt in her backyard, and she prayed for it to be moved. She got up the next morning and she said, ah, just like I thought, this faith thing isn't going to work. <laughs> um, no, we need to understand what it's talking about and how, how it operates. Um, these incredible words of Jesus can only be true when God's faith, you possess it, and you're operating it, and it's working through you and in you. Um, I want to tell you right now, it's impossible. There's some conditions in this verse 23. You see, there's conditional promises and unconditional promises. The love of God is unconditional. Aren't you glad you don't have to qualify to get God, <coughs> to, God to love you? That he'll only love a certain amount of people if they qualify? The masters, you, you have to qualify to be able to play. You know, uh, aren't you glad you don't have to qualify to get God to love you? There are other promises of God that are conditional promises. And if you, don't, if you meet the condition, you get the promise. If you don't meet the condition, you don't get the promise. Like the man who had leprosy, the Syrian general. And the prophet told him, dip in the river seven times. First, he wasn't going to do it. And he would have left, and he would have left and been a leper and died a leper. But there were, the condition of the promise was he needed to get in that river, not one of his clean rivers back home, and he had to dip seven times. When he met the conditions, he got the promise. And his flesh was totally restored. And many promises in the Bible have conditions to them. And we have to read the conditions, and we have to meet the conditions. Uh, it's um, like fulfilling a contract. Um, but uh, part of the conditions of this promise is you cannot have doubt. You see it there? and does not doubt in his heart. I'm going to submit to you that it's impossible for you to not have doubt about anything you're trying to have faith for if the thing you're trying to, if you don't have God's faith working. And God's faith, he's not going to give his faith to work through you if what you're asking for is not his will. I don't care how much you confess. How many times, I mean, brother, uh, you know, welcome to the club, you know, the anointing will come and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but people could lay hands on you until you rub your head almost as bald as mine for anointing and, and, and 
None of this stuff is going to change anything. What's going to change is when you begin to operate in God's faith, then the promises that the Bible gives about faith working will start happening in your life, in your finances, in your family, in your body. Uh, it's impossible to not have doubt unless you have faith, God's faith operating in you. And when something is the will of God, you can believe and not have doubt. In John, 1 John 5.14, we have this promise. Now, this is a confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, say anything. anything. Now, there's a lot of people that are asking God for everything and anything. But this verse says that we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That means God's got a divine filter system. Not everything that falls out of your lips gets up into heaven. If you're, if you're praying for junk, that prayer isn't even going to get to God. When you pray according to the will of God, and that's why he gave us the Bible, so we could figure out what the will of God is. But when you pray according to the will of God, then he, what? He hears you. And guess what? If he hears you, verse 15, and we know that he hears us, that if he hears us, whatever we ask, say whatever we ask. Whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the petitions or the answers that we've asked of him. It's a guaranteed way to get your prayers answered, to ask according to the will of God. I mean, this is really deep. If my kids came to me, and I'm sure none of you other parents wouldn't have any problems with this, but sometimes we'd have trouble with the girls picking up their room and cleaning their room. And Beth, you know, pick up your room, straighten up your room, clean your room. If they would come and say, hey, Mama, do you care if we pick up our room? Is she going to say no? Well, no. Uh, she's going to pick herself off the floor first. <laughs> and then she's going to say, yes, please. I've only been asking you to do this for two weeks. Why does God always answer when we ask according to his will? Because it's his will. I mean, this doesn't take rocket science. So, we need to ask according to his will. Get his faith operating. So, how do we get God's faith in us so that we can speak and ask according to his will? Well, God's faith comes from God. This is another deep truth. <laughs> the only way you're going to get God's faith is from God. And so how do we do that? Well, in Romans 12, 3, the end of that verse says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If God dealt it, it came from him, and it's his faith. And he gives everyone a measure of faith. How much faith? Enough to get saved. Enough to get born again. Every person that lives, God gives them enough faith that they'll yield to God, enough faith to get saved, to get started on their Christian journey. And, um, but then we need to grow in that faith. We find 
In other words, we need God's faith to increase in us. Um, the Bible talks about different levels of faith. I love to teach on faith. You have different levels of faith. To some, he said, oh, you have little faith. The Bible talks about increasing in faith, growing in faith. It talks about those who are strong in faith. It talks, James talks about a faith I haven't attained yet, a perfect faith. It's my goal. <laughs> I don't know if I'll reach it or not, but I'm shooting for it. Can't hit anything you don't shoot for. Uh, but we need to increase. But this is where we make the mistake. We try to increase our faith in Him instead of increasing His faith in us. And when we try to build up our faith in Him, then we get goosey in some areas. Canada goosey. <laughs> Not Canadian goosey. I learned the difference, there's a difference between those two things yesterday. So no, we must increase God's faith in us. How do we do this? We need to get more faith from God. Not just the initial measure. To get more of His faith. How are we going to get more of His faith? You already know the answer. You already know the verse. But just in case you don't remember what you know, I'll tell it to you. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But you know, everybody knows that in the English, in the Greek languages, there can be a difference in the translations. You know, love. We have love, and that's the only word we have in English. In the Greek, we have uh, different Greek words that mean different things. And they have the, the agape love of God. And we have the love that talks about brotherly love, love that talks about love between husband and wife and things like that. And, and yet we just have one word. Well, we just have one word for word in English. But in the Greek, there are two words for word. And one is logos. And one is rhema. Well, the word that's used here, so, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God. And uh, I can't do a full teaching on rhema today because I can do a Bible course on this topic to fully get to the bottom of it and fully understand it. But I'm just going to tell you a simple explanation and then you have to do some digging on your own, okay? Otherwise, we'll be here when the golf starts, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> so, some uh, what's the difference between logos and rhema? Some simplify the word rhema to mean the written word of God. Uh, and some say that logos, uh, rhema, is the spoken word of God. That's an oversimplification of both of them, actually. Um, actually, even the, the logos means complete. And actually, it was also spoken. The Bible, which is the complete word of God for us, it was first spoken. As holy men of old heard the Holy Spirit speak, it was spoken to them, and they wrote it down. So even our written word was first spoken. But it's the complete. It's everything. The, big, the biggest difference between that, the, the, the written, complete logos of God, and the, and the rhema of God is the rhema is specific. It's targeted. Uh, it means that um, it has instruction, command. Uh, it's specific. Uh, it's a, a direct word of God, command to do something, 
understanding the whole gospel of God is the whole word of God. And so um, that's a, a quick nut, nutshell thing of that thing. And then, and here's the verse in, in Peter that lets us know that, that the word of God, which it, the Bible calls prophecy, they spoke as men were moved by the Holy Spirit. And um, <coughs> uh, a lot of people, they say, well, here's, they, they, they go and they get their Bible, and they said, okay, this is the Word of God. If it's in the Word, I believe it. If it's in the Word, I can have it. If God said it, I can do it. How many have heard something like that? You know that that's not true. Actually, you actually do know that that's not true, don't you? I mean, after all, Jesus walked on the water, and Peter walked on the water. If they can do it, I can do it, right? Well, show me. You got a lake around here this afternoon? You could, I'd like you to demonstrate that. Yeah, some great lakes, okay. Uh, or how about crossing a river at flood stage? Or we could go through a whole lot of things that are in the Bible that God gave a command to do. And if he hadn't given the command to do, it couldn't have been done. When Jesus came walking on the water to Peter, they thought it was a ghost. And they found out it wasn't. They said, it's Jesus. And Peter says, if that's you, Lord, command me to come to you. And if Jesus hadn't commanded him and he tried it, he'd have sunk. But Jesus said, come. And he stepped out on the water. And amazingly, he was walking on the water because God commanded it. It was his will, and the supernatural kicked into operation. Hello? See, the reign of God, go across this Red Sea, march around Jericho. I mean, how do you make a city that the walls are so thick they run chariot races on the top of it, double-walled, fall down? How do you take it? March around the city? I mean, what kind of warfare is that? When God says it, it'll work. We've got to find out what God says and what his will is, not just about how to get saved and how to prepare for heaven, but how we work in our life, how we operate in our life, how we, how we operate as a church. What's How are we going to reach our community? God has a key. Somebody speak, God speaks to somebody, some pastor somewhere, he does what he says. Man, the church just burst out the walls. They, they grow and they grow and wonderful things are happening. And, and they write a book about it. And every, somebody reads the book and says, ah, wow, let's do that. They do it and it doesn't work. Why? God didn't tell them to. You've got to find out what God is speaking to you for your marriage, for your family, for your job, for your finances, for this church, how to reach this community. And when you find out what his will is, then you'll see miracles start to happen like you could never believe. Well, you will believe them. <laughs> um, you know, Youngie Cho wrote a book called The Fourth Dimension, and in it he tells a story about these three girls that wanted to go to a Christian convention, and they had to cross this river. There was no bridge, and but the river was at flood stage. And... Uh, 
they said, we, 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 we know we're supposed to be there. And in the Bible, when the Jericho River was at flood stage, they just walked out in the water and God supernaturally stopped the flow of the water and they went across on dry ground. We know that we're, we're going to do this. They, they begged him not to do it. They said, oh, no, 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 we have faith. This is going to work. We can do this. They picked up their bodies out at sea three days later. See, when you take the, ra- the logos of God's word and make it to be a rhema, when God hasn't made it a rhema, you're in dangerous territory and it's not going to work. All right? Here's the picture of the castle again. I told you this earlier story. You know, you can't just decide, I want a castle in Germany, in Scotland, and wherever. This wasn't my idea. I had a dream. I was actually awake, so it's more like a vision. I saw and heard God say, he gave me a rhema, a command, what I was supposed to do. You can't make somebody give you a multi-million dollar castle. I can't just say, well, okay, uh, next I'd like uh, the Queen's castle. I'll just take it over. (laughs) No, you've got to have a word from God. And if God gives you a word on it, supernatural things will take place. Um, What about the Logos? Is it, you know, if we have to wait for God to speak, what good is the Logos? Well, it's really good. 2 Timothy 3, and that's why we should read all of it all the time. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All Scripture, say all. All scripture, the whole Logos, the whole Bible is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, yeah, we we get into the Word. We read the Word. But then we need, when we do special things, we need for for God to... uh, to speak to us. You see, some of us think that we're better than Jesus. <laughs> that we can do things without hearing from God. We just, oh, I want that. I'm going to have faith. I confess. I believe. I confess. I believe. I confess. I believe. If I confess long enough and believe long enough, I can twist God's arm and make him give it to me or something. But Jesus said, I can't do anything. He said it twice. In John chapter 5, verse 19, he said, The Son of Man can do nothing. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, saying, I can't do anything of myself. And who are we to think that we can operate and do something if Jesus, the Son of God, couldn't? Except, he said, but unless he sees the Father do it. And in verse 30, he says, Unless I hear the Father commandment. See, that's a rhema. When God commanded, God showed him what to do. God, he heard what God said to do. Then, nothing he did was impossible. That's why everything he did always worked. Because he didn't do anything except he heard from the Father. Guess what? If we'll operate in that same principle, 
our whole Christian life will take on a new experience for us. And suddenly we'll find ourselves seeing miracles happening and what we're praying for coming into being and things working properly. There's, there, some things can looks biblical, sounds like faith, look, looks like faith, but it's not faith. It's fake and it won't work unless God has said it. Now let me say right here, I was teaching this in Germany and an elder of his church came up to me and he said, are you trying to tell me that before we pray for the sick, we have to find out if it's God's will for every sick person, should they be healed or not healed? I said, no, we don't have to worry about that. The Word of God says that it's God's will to be healed. Matter of fact, it says, by His stripes we are healed. Go lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Psalms 103 says, I've forgiven all your transgressions. I've healed all your diseases. And he says, don't forget these benefits that I've given you. But what do we need to pray about? We need to pray about the how, the when, the where, and some other aspects of it. So we can know that it's God's will, but how does he, how does he want to do it? See, Jesus walked by the guy at the gate beautiful, Acts chapter 4, dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times, I don't know. He didn't pray for him once. Why? The Father didn't tell him. And the early apostles, they walked by for days or, or weeks, maybe even months. They didn't do anything. But one day, God spoke to Peter and James. And they went to that guy. And they say, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have, God told us we're supposed to give it to you. Rise in the name of Jesus. And he went leaping and praising God and brought thousands of people into the, into the kingdom by that work of, of miracles. And... Here's a good example. Healing the blind. There's, I've, I've seen in the scripture four different ways that Jesus healed blind people. One way, he uh, spit in their eye. Okay, whose eye shall I spit in? <laughs> We're going to be praying for the sick if you want. Afterward, you know, I need to drink a lot of water to get, get, make, make sure I got a lot of... One time he spit on the ground, made mud, and put mud in their eyes. One time he just laid hands on people. Didn't, didn't use any spitting or no mud. And one time he just spoke. Immediately four denominations rose up. The church of the spit him in the eye, church of the mudites, church of the lay him on hands only, and church of the word only. Why in the world would Jesus spit in somebody's eye? Because he heard or saw that he was supposed to do that. I don't know why, but he wouldn't do anything that he didn't see or hear the Father tell him to do. He did exactly what God told him to do. This is how this works. They would say, I would never do that. Right, you're not going to get the miracle. Because if you don't do what God says to do, you won't get the miracle you would like to have happen. You've got to obey God. And no matter how bad you want the miracle to happen, if you don't hear from God how the miracle is supposed to happen that He's already promised that He wants to do, you won't get it. You've got to get the timing. You've got to get how, when, where. You've got to get all those things lined up. We've got to learn how to hear from God. <coughs> Getting anything out of this? Yeah. Shall I quit? Or do you want a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. How many might... 
go a little bit further. Go ahead. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Okay. <laughs> I'll try to land this thing. Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word, substance, thing hoped for, it really means foundation. You've got to have a foundation for your faith. What is that foundation? The foundation is you hear from God. What's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen? Let's say Don, he knew I was coming. He didn't tell you I was coming. He didn't. He didn't want you to get scared. <laughs> but Don knew I was coming, and uh, he says, "You know, it's been a, a, a bad winter. My truck needs washed. I'm going to believe that when Levere comes, he's going to wash my truck. I confess. I believe." The Levere will wash my truck. Am I going to wash his truck? No. You know why? I don't even wash my own car. Why am I going to wash your car? But if God would impress me that I was supposed to, sort of like washing the feet or something, wash God, and think, Don, Lord, show me, I'm supposed to wash your truck. I sent it to him in an email. Then does he have any basis of believing that when I come, I'm going to wash his truck? Of course. Because I said that I felt like God told me I was supposed to wash his truck. Same, it works the same way with God. And faith, the foundation that faith works on is this, the substance of knowing what the will of God is, hearing the voice of God. Now, I'm going to have to skip. Time is not on my side. But there is a connection between Hearing and knowing God's will is connected with our unity in God. I'm not going to try to go really, really fast here. Um, in John 17, he prays that we might be not only unified with each other as believers, but that we might be unified in Him, one with Him. And when, when we're in Him, then we can begin to know what his will is. It's very important. Um, and so he prays here that they will be one and that we'll be one in him as well. Uh, I'm, I'm rushing. I am English, but I'm, I'm rushing and trying to finish this message. Um, if I spoke in Russian, they wouldn't understand me, right? Um, The heart of the issue is learning how to hear the witness of the Spirit. Um, in, in 1 John 5, 6 through 8, this is he who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but also by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness. Say the Spirit bears witness. Spirit bears witness. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are one. Um, and in this unity, by the spirit, we can begin to discern what the will of God is. Um, I wish I had time for this verse. You can read down through the rest of John chapter 5. Uh, 
But he said, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. How many of you know that you're saved? you got a witness on the inside. Okay. Well, that same kind of witness, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can I talk you out of the fact that you're not born again? I can't talk because you've got a witness on the inside. It's so strong. You know that 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 you're saved. You know it. You've got a witness. The Holy Ghost himself is witnessing to you. You're God's son. You're his child. You know it. The, the witness is on the inside of you. Well, in the same way, in 1 John, is talking about he who believes in sin has a witness in himself. And he's saying, if you don't believe this witness, you're calling God a liar. All right? I, I'm going to have to go fast. Um, and so he's given us this testimony that we have eternal life. Well, the same way that we have this testimony and this witness that we are the children of God, he can witness to us in a similar way. There's many ways that God can give us ramus, about nine different ways. We can hear the audible voice of God. I've heard it twice. We can have dreams. We can have visions. Prophets can speak. Angels can come and give us a rhema. Direction, command, understanding about what to do. Uh, there are many different ways that God can speak to us. Uh, the Logos can become a rhema. I'm sure that you've all experienced that sometime. You're reading the Bible and suddenly this verse is, and God has spoken to you and given you direction out of that word that this is the will of God for you. And he did it through the Logos. And the Logos became a rhema. But then this witness of the Spirit, that's the most common way that God wants to lead us and guide us and direct us by the Spirit to know what the will of God is. Um, and so when that happens, then we have the confidence. We've already done this verse earlier. That when the, by however God speaks a rhema to us about something specific, even if we saw something that we know, like healing from the Logos, by his stripes we are healed, we know that, that is his will. He said, don't forget my benefits. I've forgiven your, your iniquities. I've healed all your diseases. Uh, we can know that that's the will of God, but we need to get a rhema how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. And if we follow that, then it opens up the supernatural to take place. Um, but similarly, uh, we can get the same testimony of the Holy Spirit witnessing to us that we're saved. He can give us a witness about various things that he wants us to do in life. Um, and in Corinthians... 2, 9 through 10, it says, For it is written, I has not seen nor entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Um, now, I used to use that as a witnessing tool. I said, man, you want me to get saved because there's going to be some wonderful things in heaven, things that eye hasn't seen, things that ear hasn't heard, things your heart hasn't even imagined. Boy, you don't want to miss heaven. 
I believe all that's true, but that isn't what this verse is talking about. Because he says, all these things that God has prepared, God's prepared a lot of things for every one of you. And a lot of you, you don't even know what they are. Hello? Verse 10 says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. He can testify to us. He can witness to us by his spirit what the will of God is. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And he further explains in Corinthians 2, 11 through 12, he says, only a man, for what, for what a man knows, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him. In other words, nobody knows what you're thinking except for you. Now, my wife thinks she knows what I'm thinking. And half the time or more, she does know what I'm thinking. But she misses it sometimes. She doesn't know everything I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, you married people know what I'm talking about, right? Well, only the Spirit of God knows what God's thinking. Now, in our unity with him, and he's in us, the Holy Spirit knows what God is thinking. And he can take that which he knows is the will of God and testify and witness to us what the will of God is in our life. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, and so then it brings us full circle. Uh, and this is my last scripture. And uh, remember when Joshua spoke to the sun and the sun stood still? Where do you think Joshua got that idea? Think he dreamed it up? Think we can stop the sun? Oh, man, I've got so much to do. <laughs> I just go out and speak to the sun until stand still until I get my day's work done. You know, we, and about the time that I'm done, then somebody else isn't done, and life would, the sun would never go down if we could do that. No, God did something unusual to stop the universe for almost 24 hours. And it wasn't just simply because Joshua was the greatest man of faith that ever was. He was great in his faith to believe that what God told him to do and told him to say, and he dared to do it, he was a great man of faith to believe that the sun would actually stand still when God said to speak to the sun. But that's actually what happened. The idea came from God. It was God's idea, God's will. You think God would have stopped the universe if it wasn't his will? No. He let him know. And in faith, he spoke. Sun, stand still. Moon, don't go down. And it didn't go down until they whipped the enemy. Hallelujah. So don't get our Logoses and our Ramas mixed up. Know that there is such a thing as true faith which is when we hear from God what his will is and in faith then speak what he says and watch the miracles happen. I hope this was meaningful to you today. And it'll take away some confusion about why faith doesn't work and does, you know, and this whole thing. And, and you'll grow in strength and go from level to level and do great exploits for God. The Lord bless you richly. Hallelujah. Amen. And... Uh, since I don't get to be here too often, after you conclude the service or however you want to do it, I'm happy to pray for people uh, if you need a miracle in your life.
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast brought to you every week by Henrietta Christian Fellowship, located at 1085 Middle Road in Rush, New York. If you have a prayer request or a need, we want you to know that we're here for you. Please send us an email at henriettacf at gmail.com. That's henriettacf at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening, and God bless.